All right. Hey, Peninsula Grace family. It is uh, Ross and uh, who are you? Justin. My oh, name's Justin. Oh, thanks. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, good to be with you guys. Obviously, we're doing things even a little bit more differently than last week. This is uh, our weekly devotional um, video, but we're also recording through audio, uh, so make it available uh, however, in, in a couple different formats, so however you're you're listening in or you're, you're tuning in with us. We're glad you're, you're doing this. In and our snazzy new podcast yeah, studio. We, we are in, uh, in, uh, in our studio, a.k.a. Charm the Carms <laughs> or Carm the Charms uh, office here. So, and I just, uh, just was outside in the youth center and put on some wonderfully fragrant hand sanitizer. My day was going really good until I put that hand sanitizer on. Have you put, have you put that stuff on out there? Is it it's slippery? Like, no, it's like has this scent that is incredibly off-putting oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's rough so oh, i'm sorry <laughs> i can't smell it no that's okay but my oh yeah we were talking about your, your a bad your, sense your of smell sense, your sense of smell yeah mm. yeah but anyways we're here and we are actually not going to be discussing our reading plan uh in today's and this week's devotional what we're going to do is we don't really know how this is going to look in the future uh, but what we're going to do is um kind of uh debrief or at least zoom in, drill down on one uh, particular uh, aspect of the passage that Justin preached on last Sunday um, that uh, that he didn't get really get to spend a lot of time on, but we want to spend some time on on it uh, with you guys uh, today during that devotional or during this devotional. So that's what we're going to do. And, and in, in particular, there's a there's a passage in, in, in uh, the last few verses of Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus talks about, he promises the disciples uh, something that at first at first glance is a little bit confusing or, or difficult to understand. So that's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to kind of structure this around a couple conver- a couple questions to guide our conversation. But hopefully, it's just pretty pretty free flowing. And then going forward, week to week, um, we don't really know what what we're what it's going to look like. But it'll probably be a blend of a couple things. We might tie it more directly to our sermons since our reading plan is is a little off kilter from our, from our sermon series right now, but, uh, yeah, so let's, let's jump in. Um, Justin, would you want to read for us? I would love to. You would, you would love to. That's great. Be you're my such privilege. A, you're such a willing participant. Hey, I'm just here to help. Yeah. So uh, this is coming yeah. at the end. Oh, are you going to? No, go ahead. I'm going to, uh, this is coming at the end of the rich young ruler. This, this is Peter's response to the rich young ruler walking away. And it's out of Peter's response that Jesus gives the parable that we talked about in chapter 20. And so we're going to see why Jesus said what he said. And so, but today we want to drill down into Peter's words. So after the rich young man uh, walks away, verse 27 of Matthew 19 says, Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will receive or inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. So Justin, as you're, you know, um, thinking about this text and preparing to preach on it, what stands out to you as what makes this text maybe confusing or what's challenging in this to understand from your, from your perspective? Yeah, Jill and I were talking about this leading up to the sermon, and anytime 
the language of reward comes mm-hmm. up. Oftentimes, you know, it's like it, it sits a little funny where it's like, man, I thought we were supposed to do things, you know, for God and God alone. And if we're doing something for reward, is that is that selfish? And certainly Jesus does seem to be pushing back on Peter somewhat here. Yeah. Um, but but he's also is acknowledging he's he told the rich young ruler, when you give when you give these things up to follow me, you're gonna receive reward in heaven. And then here he sort of spells out some of these rewards. And so for us as believers, it's like, is that a legitimate cause certainly Paul talks about it all the time. The, the prize, the, the crown, you know, some of these words that he uses and that's what motivates him. And I was, uh, there was a helpful illustration I was reading in an article about this and I was talking about if a, if a father was to tell his son, if, if I'll give you $20 for mowing the lawn. Now as a father, that's a perfectly legitimate, you know, thing for a father to do. I love you. You know, I want to reward you. You know, you're moving toward your Xbox 360 or whatever the kids are playing these days. But if that so that's perfectly legitimate for the son but if the son was to say was to say i'm only going to do things for you when i get reward right mm-hmm. or if he started coming to his father and demanding hey i went out and mowed the lawn today this is what you're going to give me yeah. or i expect so it's it's reward devoid of that relationship and so our yeah. father who loves to bless us wants to give us good things but the moment that we start demanding or start seeing it as a the contract that we talked about on sunday if I do this, you have to give me this. Now we we're focusing more on the reward than the rewarder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was a helpful analogy. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think you're touching on something that's like a, an, uh, you know, a, an understandable, maybe fear or rustling up, you know, brustling up against. We don't, we don't want to. <laughs> brushing. This. Brushing. Brustling, uh, I think Bru- is. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's when you take a Brussels sprout and you like rub it against bristling. Bris, br- bristle. Br- bristling. Br- there you go. There we go. Thanks. Yeah, we digress. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, that that really cleared things up for you, so I'm glad we we did that. But yeah, there's a, there's this thing that we that we react negatively to, I think understandably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we also see Jesus, you know, using this kind of language. So we want to press into those mm-hmm. difficulties and those kind of nuances because it's in the pressing into the challenging things that I think that that scripture uh, really speaks the most powerfully to us as we press into the hard things that yeah. we don't naturally understand. Yeah. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So, um, so, so then he says, he, he, he starts it off by kind of setting the context. He says in verse uh, 28, he says, Jesus, I say to you in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, uh, that's when you will uh, sit on on twelve thrones and, and 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 judge the twelve tribes of Israel. So, what's the context? What what here is when is this promise to come true? What 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 does it what does he mean by in the new world when the Son of Man is sitting on his glorious throne? Yeah. So we know this whole book of Matthew has been Jesus coming to present the kingdom. It says the kingdom of God is here, and yet we know the kingdom is an already not yet. And you know we've said as Jesus has come, he hasn't even died yet, so he hasn't died and, and, and rose to new life, but he's come to inaugurate this new kingdom. And and of course we know that after he rose, he left, and he's coming back. And there's there's a day when it says at the end of Revelation, heaven and earth will be renewed, and mm. Jesus will reign on this in this world as King um, over 
all, and and we're going to experience life fully in the presence of God, um, walking alongside of Him, ruling and reigning with Him. So it's the it's the the renewal, the new world He talks about. In some ways, we've initiated it. That's p- the part of making disciples right yeah. now. But but He's looking forward to that day when He physically comes back and is yeah is yeah, yeah yeah okay cool cool um, and then so what. Then I guess what does he specifically mean by he's talking to the disciples, specifically Peter, and answers to Peter's question, you will uh, sit on 12 thrones uh, and judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I, it sounds like, you, you know, Jesus will be king and then there's going to be these mini kings or what, what? what's going on here? What? What does that mean? Yeah, some weird tribunal yeah. where they're yeah. like, you know, you're bad, you're good. Because yeah. we know the names are written in the book of life. God is going to judge, determine who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. Yeah. So I don't think it's what we often see in the comic strips of Peter at the pearly gate going, you're in, you're out. Yeah. I think the word here for judge is the idea of, of ruling. It can also mm-hmm. mean in the Greek to rule and reign. And we know that originally in, in the first creation with Adam and Eve, God put us here on earth to image him, to rule and reign as his representative here on earth over the yeah. over the land and sea and the animals and so this is going to be going back to that original intent with those yeah. who have chosen to follow him and so he's saying um, and I think this could re- apply to the thousand year reign of Jesus before Satan is cast into the lake of fire forever and and those who have followed him uh, will will be ruling and reigning with him and, and that revelation talks about the yeah. dead rising and ruling and reigning with him yeah. but then also in the new Jerusalem so I think there's some language here as far as the 12 tribes of Israel that there could be some symbolic language we we were talking about. We don't really know exactly what this is going to look like, but there's a sense in which those who have followed him and probably the disciples have a special place in particular along the way. We certainly know they were the foundation layers of the church, but in the new Jerusalem, those who served Jesus here on earth will be elevated with him in these positions of of leadership, and yeah. we don't know exactly what that'll look like, yeah. what organization will look like, but it's pretty sweet yeah. to to think about forever uh, yeah. ruling and reigning with Jesus, whatever yeah. that means. It's yeah. gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Yeah, so there's a, like there's a sense in which, you know, I think we have in our minds like when we hear judging, we we think of like uh, you know a, judge you know, Judy, judge, judge with a gavel. But there, and and in, in, in the ancient world, we you know we have three you know uh, you know branches of government, le- you know legislative executive and then judicial but in the ancient world there was more like you know combined so that the leader hmm. the executive hmm. guy was also the judicial huh. branch you know so there's like there's leading yeah um so as leaders hmm. you know god and that that speaks to leadership and structure and organization that's a good thing that will continue on into hmm. it's not like god is you know trying to abolish all this stuff but there's actually there's good yeah uh, in the structure and in leadership that god god gives and the the apostles We'll, hmm. we'll play a key role in that, but it's something for all of us, like you said. Yeah, like, and uh, specifically when he yeah. sums up and says the last will be first, yeah. the people who are going to be given the most prominent yeah. positions in the yeah. kingdom, yeah. I mean, that, that could be the guy here on earth that everybody discarded into the corner. Yeah. You know, It's not yeah. necessarily going to be the the CEOs and, and even the the, yeah. the pastors of the mega churches. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's gonna be the most humble people yeah. here on earth yeah. that thought of themselves the least and, and maybe we disregarded that are actually I mean what a what a cool picture yeah, as he turns things yeah, on its head. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. So um then uh, let me see what, what what would be another good helpful question. I guess what uh, he, he, he he addresses that promise, I guess specifically to the twelve uh, or into Peter. Mm-hmm. Um 
But then he, he broadens it out, and he speaks of everyone in verse 29. He says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake. So presumably he's talking about everyone who's, who's sacrificed for him, every follower who's sacrificed. Um, will receive. I want to see your face. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm looking at my Bible. So, yeah, I know. You know so. I know. So. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, um, so everyone who follows Jesus mm-hmm. will receive 100-fold and will inherit eternal life. So what, uh, you know, what, um, what does that specifically mean for, not just for the 12, but for all of us who are following Jesus? Yeah, it, and it's, a, it's another great question that I don't know if we know exactly, you know, what, what this is going to look like. And, and I don't think this is a straight up one to one. Clearly, there's a sense in which it's not literal because, you know, yeah. if you give up okay. a, a, a mother, you're not literally getting a hundred mothers. Um, <laughs> if you gave up a mother in law, are you going to receive? Oh, that does. I don't yeah. know if that's a reward. <laughs> that's a <laughs> motivator. Yeah. But there's a. But I think there is also a, a real sense in which I, I believe this is true. And you think about those. You know, he says, "Who you've left those for my sake." And especially in those days, to follow Jesus could often mean yeah. you are going to be abandoned by your family. Yeah. Um, we know that in Muslim context today, in many places where that's going to be true. And he says, "When you give up." When you have to, when you have to follow me, and it might mean you know uh, severing relational ties here. I'm going to reward you way beyond that. And some of that, I think, can come to fruition here as we're welcomed into a family of God, but we certainly know in eternity we're going to be in the community with, with one another. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if you, if you, if maybe you lost a relationship with a loved one here, man, you're going to have, I mean, think about all the yeah. relationships with believers we're going to have yeah. in eternity. Or yeah. you gave up houses here. What did Jesus say? I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. Like yeah. it's going to be better than the three bedroom, two bath that I've got right now, probably, yeah. you know, or even specifically, um, the, the last thing he says here is is inherit eternal life like we can't rem- we can't forget that the real prize here is is in the presence of God himself yeah. and Jesus yeah. like yeah. we know that that's the ultimate fulfillment yeah. that will satisfy yeah. whatever you've given up here the world may have said you are not I mean you are not pursuing riches and fame or power here but in the in eternity you're gonna you're gonna receive back you're gonna you're gonna have a life that far exceeds you can't even compare Paul says the eternal yeah. glory with the present yeah. suffering yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that causes us to bristle against it, you know, is the idea that we're we're motivated by by financial hmm. reward or like earthly mm-hmm. te- temp- temporal reward, right? Yeah. Um, but the the shalom or the new, the new life, the fullness of life that that hmm. Christ is bringing in His kingdom is yeah. is fuller than that. Like hmm. it's a it's a fullness of re- of reward. It's a fullness yeah. of joy and happiness and. And and the removal mm-hmm. of, of sorrow and, the, and loss that we have—it's way beyond, yeah. way beyond transcends so, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, like, and I think that's, that's something what you were touching on with the relational aspect mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of this promise. Yeah, yeah. totally. Very yeah. cool. So, as we just kind of wrapping up, summing up, what what difference does this make? What how how should this uh, change the way we follow Jesus? How should this change our lives? See how we can see your face so much better now? Yeah, thanks, man. That's You're, good. Yeah. Um, you no, know, I think it does. You, you, we've heard it said um, that we can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Um, but I think you know that's a misunderstanding of, of what that means. And, and when we look forward to what's to come, um, that actually gives us a perspective, but also a motivation today. Um, we're going to be rewarded. When he says, well done, good and faithful servant, it, 
it's we're faithful. It's he's going to reward us according to our faithfulness, not necessarily how many people we saved or how much money we raised or how much, you know, it's whatever he called us to. If we're faithful to obey what God's asking us to do today, and that can be the littlest thing. When we say no to that temptation, when we, um, change our attitude toward that person that we're struggling with, that we can know he's saying, I mean, there's going to be a day that you're going to be rewarded well beyond anything that you struggled through today or a temporary sacrifice. And so that can motivate us to, I mean, it's not just, Hey, we're saved. Sweet. Let's hunker down until Jesus comes back. It's let's be motivated to love people, to serve people, to, to become more like Jesus as we become more holy and more obedient because those little acts of faithfulness, they're going to, I mean, there's a day coming when, when he's going to, we're going to, replay our life and there's going to be reward for what we've done well. And, and, you know, Paul says it's going to burn up the things that, that were done meaningless, but it's cool because Paul talks about that in first Corinthians three. He says the things that are built on Jesus that are going to last, that you're going to be rewarded for. So again, this isn't just like our own efforts or I'm going to coerce God into giving me something. It's as we behold and become obsessively satisfied with Jesus, um, that we're going to find a a more joyous life now, but then man, even so much more so in eternity. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good word. Such a good word. I mean, uh, and it's sustaining encouragement for us as we go through the rest of our week. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks brother. Hey, no problem, brother. All right. We'll see you guys. Love you.